Welcome to episode 91 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing how to add weights to compound movements, injury considerations for broken bones, and balancing double and single leg training. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, achievers? <laughs> episode 91, we just put um, Kendrick down a, for a nap. So this, this actually might be the first episode post his birth where we're not actually holding him, right? Yeah, that's true. It's a milestone, episode 91. Put it in the record books. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see if we actually get through an entire episode without him waking up. But Yeah, we might need to pause, but we'll see. That's all right. Um, uh, any other updates? Let's see. I don't know. We for me, it's been pretty much the same feed Kendrick, put him to sleep, burp him, change his diaper, repeat. Rinse and repeat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we haven't really done anything crazy, actually. It's been pretty low-key. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've been going back into the gym, so yeah. you've been getting to back into some normalcy with work and everything like that, which has yeah. been really nice. Um, yeah. That's about it. Yeah, it's been pretty low-key. Nothing, nothing really important to note. <laughs> <laughs> so let's yeah. get into the questions. Let's then. go into it. All right. So the first one is from Capturing Al, and she said, Hi, Jason and Lauren. First off, congratulations. I have two potential podcast questions. Um, I think we're just answering the first one. Is that... Oh, no. Is it both? Um, I think both. Okay, yeah. cool. So first, when you're first learning a movement, how many weeks slash months do you spend perfecting the form at a lower weight before moving on to adding weights in a program like the Strong Lifts 5x5? I'm thinking of things like barbell deadlifts, front squats, clean and jerks, etc. Second question is related. When adding weight in a program, do you recommend starting the workout with sets at a lower weight to refresh the movement pattern, or do you jump right into the higher weights that day? Um, yeah, I thought these were good just overall logistical questions yeah. um, that people um, obviously just wouldn't really know until they actually were coaching people. Um, so for us at Achieve... Before we have anyone even touch a barbell, we spend about three to four months of just laying the foundation of going through just movement patterning and um, like just optimal core functioning, breathing, mobility work, things like that. Um, and the reason for that is because the barbell is just so, it's unforgiving. It's just a very, very rigid object. And so if you can't move and mold yourself around the barbell, the barbell is going to make you do funky things and eventually that's gonna just take a toll on your body. So you wanna make sure that you can adopt these positions like a front squat or a deadlift before you actually gravitate towards the barbell. Is that Kendrick? He's crying. <laughs> <laughs> we got him about two and a half Darn minutes. It. All right, we're gonna pause. We'll be right back. <laughs> okay, and we're back. Uh, this time I'm holding Kendrick again uh, with the pacifier in, so we'll, we'll see how long this lasts. Um, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> This is life now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, basically the, um, yeah. So basically you want to make sure that you're able to adopt certain positions because the barbell isn't, isn't going to conform to you. You're going to have to conform to the barbell. So for us at Achieve, we think that takes about three to four months or so from, to take someone from basically from a complete beginner to getting uh, used to the um, the barbell movements. And when we're and when we're going through that process, we're not using any sort of um, five by five or like any kind of crazy progressions. With those, we're really more going off of feel and week to week. We're progressing people as we see fit, but not in any sort of like linear progression. So yeah. it's sort of on the coach and the 
the person who's working out to decide together how does that weight feel? Do you, from the coach's perspective, do they look ready to, sorry, we're getting some <laughs> cries in here. From the coach's perspective, do they look ready to add weight or do we want to keep working just on movement with lighter weights? And then from the person performing the exercise, like asking them how they feel to try to get a sense of where they're at. But there is no like specific programming style in terms of adding weight until we get to really the barbell lifts and that's usually not for like six or seven months yeah so yeah actually so once they start using the barbell that's when we actually incorporate a lot of tempo work mm -hmm. so we like to do a lot of eccentric so the the first phase once they start getting into barbell work we'll have them okay you're going to take about five seconds to lower down this weight um, so that they really get a feel for where their positioning is, where their weight is balanced and distributed, and they just really just get really confident and stable in those positions. Because what you'll find is that when people go to the barbell, they'll start to really speed up their lifts, and what that's doing is it's hiding a lot of compensation. So if you're rushing through a lift, or you're, you're, you're like crashing down into your squat positioning, more than likely it's because you don't have the strength to control certain ranges of motion. And so you're using speed to sort of hide that sort of a compensatory um, stuff that you're going through. And so we like to use a lot of tempo work where we go slowly at first, then the next phase will actually hold the bottom of the squat position. We'll tell the person to hold for about five seconds before they come up. And then the following phase after that, each phase is about a month. The following phase after that, we'll actually have them slow down the uh, concentric motion. So on the way back up from a squat, we'll say, hey, Go down normal tempo, pause for a split second, and then take about five seconds to come back up. And that way, once we get into a five by five or a scenario where we start to really start to linearly increase weights, like some of these programs that you mentioned, um, then they've already just really mastered those basics and really understand where they should be feeling things uh, from a strength standpoint. Yeah. So um, that kind of answers the first question. Um, yeah. And, it's, and it really just depends on like your experience level leading up totally. to this process. Yeah. So we're talking from a pure beginner standpoint, this is the process that we take. If you're somebody who's been lifting for a long time, but you're looking to start a new program like Strong Lifts, um, we still would say if it's a new, even if you've been lifting for a long time, but it's a new lift for you, say you've been deadlifting and squatting, but you've never done clean and jerks and that's something that you're starting to incorporate, mm -hmm. definitely spend you know, a couple months not worrying so much about the weight, worrying a lot more about the form, videotape yourself, make sure that you're feeling good, feeling confident, um, doing different tempos like Jason was talking about. You can't really do that with Olympic lifts, but yeah. um, you know what I mean? Just spending yeah. some time mastering the movement and then after the, a couple months, once you feel like you don't have to think through the movement very much, mm -hmm. then I would say it, you can be ready to start adding the weight in a more structured fashion. Yeah. But if you're still thinking your way through the lift, and this is true for any lift really, if you're overthinking through the lift, that which is just what you have to do in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, you're not quite ready, I don't think, to start just putting on the weight. Yeah, it has to just be nearly automatic. And there's definitely like times where you want to focus on one thing. Hey, I want to keep my chest up during this deadlift or I want to uh, make sure that my hips aren't too high during the deadlift or whatever it might be. But it should be very reproducible at uh, very consistently at various different weights. Right. Um, you don't want to be overthinking like Lauren just talked about. Right. So that answers the first question. The mm -hmm. second question was when adding weight in a program, do you recommend starting the workout with sets at a lower weight to refresh the movement pattern? Or do you jump right into the higher weights? Um, after a couple of warm-up sets, uh, we actually have them just jump right into the heavier uh, weights because the heavier weights are going to be like two and a half to five pound increases. So it's not going to be anything drastically different. But 
Yeah, a couple warm-up sets and then we go right into it. Which might be what she's talking about. Like starting with sets at lower weight to refresh the movement pattern. That might be, she might be referring to like a warm-up set. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now that you said that, I realize yeah, that that might be that what makes, she's saying. That probably makes more sense. Yeah. So, yes, definitely when you get to a point, I mean, it's hard to say an exact number, but like for me, if I'm doing any sort of lift with a barbell that's over for deadlift or squat that's over 135, I'm going to do a warm-up with 95, then mm-hmm. I'm going to do 135, and then I'll go to my working set. So yeah. I always do two warm-ups that are kind of like, at, and those are arbitrary numbers because they're easy to load on a barbell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a 25 pound plate and a 45 pound plate. Yeah, some um, people will recommend like certain loading procedures of like, okay, you're gonna do five reps at 50 percent, three reps at 65 percent, you know, a single at 75 percent, and like just continue on that way. Um, but we literally just use whatever is the easiest way to load weights onto a barbell. <laughs> <laughs> so call it the lazy man's uh, version of it. But basically, yes, get yourself primed for the movement by doing a couple sets at lighter weights, um, just like she mentioned before jumping into your actual work set. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. So moving on to question number two. This is from Nicole Brazel. And she said, question after listening to your last podcast, I'm in an air cast after fracturing my second metatarsal. I've noticed a difference in strength between my legs since I'm constantly walking around and the boot weighs a couple pounds. I'm planning on incorporating some single leg work, single leg deadlifts, leg extensions, etc. but was wondering if I should solely focus on my good leg and if you have any suggestions on exercises to incorporate. I was also thinking of putting a two pound ankle weight on my good leg to balance it out as I walk <laughs> with a laughing face. <laughs> I have two more weeks in the air cast and will be starting physio, but would like to start taking action now um that's good good proactive approach um and yeah just being in that position um definitely isn't fun like lauren you you were in a cast with your right wrist right for a little while yeah um you know i don't uh, we haven't really talked about this but for me i would say if you want to perform some lighter stuff like if you want to actually put that ankle weight on and maybe not walk around but perform some like light leg lifts and like lift your leg into like hip flexion or being like a like a sideline position and lift it off to the side, not really from a strength or like muscle building standpoint, but just to get some blood flow going in that area to just continue to help the healing process. Any just light, gentle movement is going to be good. And then just from a mindset standpoint, I would really um, try to challenge your other leg and not so we're not worried so much about strength and stability in your affected leg currently um, because that it's going to come back really quickly, quickly, quicker than you would realize post-surgery um, and just to be hung up on how to maximize it while you're in that cast right now is is, um, is going to be um, a little bit just like challenging I would say yeah that's that's what I was gonna say is you'd be you're you're always people are always surprised at how quickly they get back to sort of like an equilibrium um, yeah. with both sides when even when you've had that injury and you haven't been able to use that side so I wouldn't worry too much like she was talking actually about loading the ankle that's the good like like the uninjured ankle to counteract like the fact that the cast weighs has weight to it so she was like worried that the other side was gonna get like oh okay yeah i misread that yeah Yeah. so but basically you you shouldn't feel like you have to do anything like that because you it things are gonna come back to normal really quickly Mm -hmm. um and so the best thing to do is move in ways that just continue like like Jason was saying, like continue blood flow and continue moving in a way that feels good, but don't be so concerned about balancing out both sides because Mm -hmm. you just can't right now. Like it's just not in the cards right now and that's totally fine. And the body is pretty resilient and and will come back. And now at this point, like I, I really felt like when I had the cast on my right side, I was like, 
man, my grip strength is going to be gone. Totally. Like you just like, you get in your head about like all the things you're going to lose. And now it, it's been a couple years. I don't even think about it. Right. Yeah. Like my grip strength is probably still stronger on my right side because it's my dominant side. Yeah. <laughs> so it just all comes back. And if you try too hard to equal things out while you're injured, you may actually end up like limiting yourself in what you can actually do. Yeah. And this is, um, it seems like this person um, is obviously been, into strength training or health and fitness in some regard for a while now this is the reason why it's so important to just be continuously working out and trying to uh you know maintain a, a level of fitness because it makes the recovery process that much easier because you've set the stage for um you know your your strength and your health and fitness beforehand and just it, it, it that just makes all the difference in the world yeah 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 so don't worry too much about doing if you want to do some single leg work just on the good side totally fine totally fine yeah, yeah. you're not going to create any major imbalances in the time that you are going to be recovering from this so yeah when yeah. i when i broke my hand i actually did i my goal was to do a snatch test on the left side a snatch test is a strong first thing where um you have to do 100 kettlebell snatches in five minutes um it's just like a the challenge to um pass the certification and i was like all right well while i'm injured like why don't i see if i can do that all on one side so i actually did a ton of training on just my left side yeah <laughs> like that's a lot of work to do on just that side and it didn't create any imbalances it really didn't affect me in a way that in a negative way so i would say again don't be afraid to do work on just one side knowing that over time you're just going to be able to even it back out yeah totally cool Cool. All right, last question. This one... It's kind of a long one, actually. It is. Do you want to um, kind of give a synopsis? Yeah. Okay, so basically, um, this person, Ben, um, he's 49, plays tennis competitively, um, and designs his training around performance and injury prevention for his sport. Um, he said, think lots of plyometrics, uh, medicine ball stuff, agility ladder, um, that sort of thing. Um, he had a mild meniscus injury that knocked him off the court earlier this year. And then he started working with a coach to learn proper form for the primary lifts and just develop strength. So now he's been doing um, and had, had a really good experience lifting heavy. So um, he's been doing 5x5 five five type of programming and just doing compound barbell lifts. He also just read Michael Boyle's book, uh, Advances in Functional Training for Sports. Um, and he really likes the idea and thought process behind a lot of that. Um, and he says that Coach Boyle makes a strong case for developing single leg strength for his athletes. And to quote him directly, if I can program only two lower body exercises, they will almost always be split squats and single leg straight leg deadlifts. So basically, he's been really enjoying and loving the progress of the barbell like 5x5s, but he's also ready to switch things up and maybe do some single leg training. And his question is, does he swap out double leg squats and deadlifts entirely and do a month or two of single leg work? Or is there value in doing some sort of hybrid approach where he does maybe a couple sets of double leg work and then switches to single leg work or vice versa. Um, yeah, that's that's the main question. Okay. And, and his primary priority is uh, sport performance and injury prevention. Is so, tennis. Okay. so it's not just raw strength. Right. So his his injury was not related to lifting, correct? Um, no. His injury was related to tennis. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is a great question. And a lot of people here, I mean, Mike Boyle is one of the greatest strength coaches of all time. And yep. you've learned an incredible amount from him. A lot of people hear him say things like, I would only squat, I mean, I would only program single leg squats and single leg deadlifts. Like, I never have people barbell squat. Yeah, um, he actually doesn't have anyone barbell back squat or barbell deadlift at all. And I think they're even considering getting away with the trap bar too. So he's really um, not a big fan of bilateral compound movements. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, and then that kind of creates this overreaction, right? right. So you want to go... And that's that. basically what I was going to say, is that then people get scared of maybe, the, like, the barbell <laughs> yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what we've seen is that there is definitely, like, we agree that single leg work is extremely important and probably more important for athletes than... Um, being able to squat like super heavy yeah. or deadlift super heavy. Like we're not, I think what, what Mike is saying for the most part is like, don't try to make athletes power lifters. Yeah. Um, and, and we agree with that. Like mm-hmm. an athlete doesn't need to have the same deadlift numbers as a, as a power lifter because mm-hmm. the, the power lifter is just trying to lift as much weight as they can off the floor. Right. The athlete is using the exercises to actually translate into their sport. And so a single leg exercise is going to translate a little bit better into their sport. But we do think that there's a lot of value in deadlifts and squats where you're building pure strength and you're, and that's where it's hard. It's harder to do that with a single leg exercise. Yeah, totally. Um, and so for our recommendations for this person, like if they were working with us would definitely be to get a few sets of compound movements in initially early on in the workout. And then his accessory movements would be slightly higher repetition, stability-focused, single-leg work. And so with the uh, compound movements, we're not going to be worried too much about like really loading him up heavy, but just making sure that he's really competent and really stable and balanced and just looking really smoothly. That would be our primary focus, less about like, is he squatting one half or double body weight, whatever it might be, all, all these like random strength metrics. <laughs> yeah. We just want the movements to look really good. And if it looks good, we'll bump up the weight a little bit more to make it more challenging. And then make sure he looks good with that weight and uh, make sure he looks good with that movement pattern. And then the secondary part of it would be to do a lot of single leg stability type work um, later on in the workout. And then actually preceding the strength work would be power work and agility work like he was talking about earlier. Because we want to make sure that the strength work doesn't, um, slow him down or impede his uh, rate of force development from the power work. So we would go power, then we'd go compound movement strength, then we'd go stability with the single leg moves. Um, so you can program both in and they wouldn't take away from each other. Yeah, and I think a really important part of what he said in his question was that he really enjoys the, the lifts. Like yeah, he really likes to deadlift and likes to squat. So we, we always try to keep that in mind as well is that there is something to be said about enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And you're going to do it more. You're going to be more consistent. If you go in and you're like, oh, I have to do more single leg squats today and I hate <laughs> single leg squats, but I'm doing it because it's for my sport. That's only going to last so long. You're going totally. to end up being like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to go play tennis because that's what I like to do. Yeah. So if there's, if there's lifts that you really like, be smart about how you program them. Don't overdo it with the weight, things like that, but absolutely include them. And I think that there's, there's nothing like better than enjoying your workout (laughs) and and doing things that like combining that with things that are actually challenging for you and good for your sport yeah and part of the thing with um you know coach Boyle's setting he's working with anywhere from 12 to 20 athletes at a time and so he's got a primary coach and maybe a couple of um interns or assistant coaches and so i can definitely see if he's getting these big groups and they're just basically going from group to group to group why um, compound barbell movements might just be logistically challenging. And uh, it's the reason why we don't use barbells in a classroom setting. We just yeah. think it's logistically challenging, potentially injury producing because we don't have enough eyes to watch people from that compound movement standpoint. So I can totally see him just being like, you know, why are we so married to these compound movements? We can get a ton of benefit 
from the single leg movements and we, it just suits our logistical needs. So I can totally see where he's coming from. For us, we work in a three to one setting so we can easily manage these compound movements from with one coach to three people, um, which is why we like to program him. And also if you notice going back into uh, the first question, we take about three to four to five months before we start going into more heavier barbell lifts. And so that really takes care of a lot of coaching on the front end because of our programming. So by the time we get to a barbell, we're already like, you already know what to do. It's just a different implement because we've been squatting with kettlebells. We've been deadlifting with trap bars. Like we've been setting up the foundation so that the coaching is a lot easier on that end. But Coach Boyle, like he gets athletes in season for three to four months at a time. And then they're out of season. They're back to their whatever sport that they're doing. And so it becomes logistically challenging to develop to that develop that sort of program and that sort of consistency. And so it's just different approaches and that's where he's coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why there's so much uh, like animosity sometimes between different coaches and different styles yeah. because people forget to look at the different settings and totally. and why somebody's approach is the way it is. And, and even as coaches, we forget to explain why we're, mm -hmm. we do what we do. You know, yeah. like sometimes, and you know, Mike just says, what works for him and he might forget to say like well it works for me because yeah x y and z because we have bigger groups because we have people who are athletes who are actually have in season off season whereas for us at achieve we're working with completely different populations we're working with people who don't are not in season or off season they yeah. just want to stay fit year round yeah. and they're just looking to be healthier and feel good um we're working with a smaller setting so coaches can spend more time with each individual and so there's just so many different factors that lead into the reason why people program the way that they do yeah i mean so like we might have a you know power lifter that's listening right now and be like they take four to five months before someone touches a barbell that's so stupid and <laughs> not really understand the total like the whole picture of it right yeah. because you know our people are on annual memberships where they're we know that we're going to have them for at a minimum 12 months and more than likely a lot longer than that um so yeah just you know just trying to understand where the, the person is coming from and why they came to these conclusions is yeah. so important yeah so in ben's case we would say keep doing your compound list just keep the weights at moderate moderate weights that don't make you feel like you're potentially reaching any sort of like threshold or or getting toward any injury or anything like that just yeah. use them as as your strength workout after your power development mm -hmm. and then start incorporating that single leg work into your accessory work yeah oh uh, one more point actually going along that instead of doing five by five we might just say like hey let's do three by five just cut the volume a little bit because doing five by five and then going into additional lower body single leg work just might be really challenging on your lower body um, as well as just your nervous system overall. So maybe three by five might be a little bit of a better choice, True. but also just depending on how you recover from these stimuluses. So if you feel like stimuli, <laughs> if, if you feel like three by five is just way too little of a stimulus, then obviously bump it up to four by five or five by five. Um, but don't be married to the five by five if, if three by five will do the trick. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, those are all the answers that we have to your burning questions for today. Sorry about the couple interruptions from Kendrick, <laughs> but I'm sure that's going to happen for the rest of our lives, so yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to get used to it. Um, if you have any more questions for us, we'd love to hear them. You can send them to us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram, or you can message us on Facebook. And if you like what you hear, we would love for you to leave an iTunes review. They really, really help us out. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.